Hello everybody and welcome to She Talks Tech, where I profile women in technology and STEM careers. My aim is to elevate and amplify their stories and inspire more women to join this field. Through detailed interviews with successful women in technology and STEM, I explore their career paths, challenges, successes, and advice for aspiring professionals. Join me as I celebrate the achievement of women in technology and STEM and discover the diverse and exciting opportunities available in this field. And in today's episode, I'm really, really excited because I have one of the women who really inspire me more than anything. And I think she has such an amazing story, such an amazing journey in technology wears many hats and I can't wait to tell her story and um, hopefully by the end of this you'll be able to just really even rewind and really listen again because you know she is just that amazing to actually like just listen to the journey so welcome Pendo Manjale podcast in this this episode but I think every story has some sort of a beginning and where where it all starts and there's a human who actually grew somewhere and I know that you grew from uh Kalelushi and yeah give me a bit of that journey how was it like growing up in Kalelushi oh yeah so I grew up in Kalelushi and um Interesting enough, it's uh, Kalalushi is quite a small town, so mm. most people really don't know about it. Mm. And um, it's not a big town and city. And one of the things that people would always uh, tease me about is like, there's no shop right in uh, Kalalushi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we don't have like the big supermarkets and we'd always have to travel to another town to actually do our shopping. So it's more of like a dormitory town and mm. closely knit. Um, our parents knew each other so if you misbehave mm. uh, you know that uh, <laughs> you know that someone would want to tell on you um, yeah yeah so it was more of like a, um, like it took a village so mm. uh, my friend's parents were like my parents and mm. um, when they say it takes a village to raise a child I feel like growing up in Kalulushi was um, a perfect or example of what that truly means. Um, but on the other, on the flip side of it is, you know, being a smaller, a smaller town um, in terms of, uh, you can see progression, but mm. limited, you feel like this is all that there is to life. And um, so you're trying, you want to dream big, but mm. when you're young, you can only dream as much or as far as you can see. Yeah. So I feel like um, somehow growing up in that town could um, have overshadowed certain dreams. Yeah. But however, um, to an extent, uh, I think having the education and exposure mm. um, did actually open up um, my mind to other possibilities outside Kalulushi. But growing up in Kalulushi was actually exciting, small town, uh, friends, uh, mm. playing games. We had so many social amenities as well. Um, yeah. But eventually I had to grow out and leave and uh, <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so you, you, you grew up in this space. Do you matriculate there, or is it like your entire high school life is in Kalalushi, and then you move to to Lusaka? Did you move to Lusaka afterwards, or did you live somewhere else? Uh, no, actually. So, um, so Kalalushi is like 
this is like a, a town and then Kalalusha is like a dormitory town yeah. and so schools uh while while we had our high I had my high school and primary school there mm. I did my university in a town called Kitwe yeah. um so Kitwe is like the town the bigger town of the where I would go do our shopping mm. um where I would go for like um any other social gatherings mm. and um so growing up in Kalalushi, I think for the most of the part of um, my growing up, I was in mm. Kalalushi. So it was like I was oh, yeah. in this box, in this cage, <laughs> and I couldn't leave. Because every, it's like your family is there, your extended yeah. family is there, and you just feel like that's where home is. So um, yeah. I only got to leave um, Kalalushi after um, ha- I had to go to university. Yeah. And after university, I moved to Lusaka. So um, I had this, I had this, burning um mm. I really wanted to move not because yeah. I hated Kalushi but I wanted mm. to Lusaka was like oh it's a big town it's a city yeah. and so I was like after right I was like after university I have to go to Lusaka that was like Lusaka was the dream you know yeah yeah at, yeah. at some point yeah so mm-hmm. um I left for after university I got a job in Lusaka and mm. um I do go back home from time to time and mm. it's, it's I love the place and it's still home to me and it also reminds me of some of the dreams that I had being young and also wanting to dream beyond like I had these you know you have these dreams that you're only imagining like yeah. what's more what's more um is there more to this and you're just imagining those things and so um it's always good I'm, I'm always honored to go back home and just look at how the place that shaped me the place that um actually um equipped me to the person I to be the person I am today yeah 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 so um do you do you then move to Lusaka and is your first thing that you do um tech are you like straight up technology or was there like some shift in terms of what you studied versus um what you are doing right now uh no actually Mm. um I studied computer science in university. Okay. Yeah. So actually my Lusaka dream started from mm. um studying computer science and mm. feeling like Lusaka is a bigger city, so they might appreciate my skills more here than mm. Kalulushi. Yeah. Um but before actually going to university, I had uh, I had a different dream. Like okay, I didn't have I didn't really know what I wanted to be. But mm-hmm. you know how society is always, um, there's always either have to be a lawyer, a doctor. Yeah. Um, and so I was channeling, like maybe I should become a lawyer. I did become mm-hmm. a lawyer at some point. Yeah, um, interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also thought of becoming a doctor at some point. So yeah. I didn't really know what career looked like for me. It was mm-hmm. more of um, what can I do Um that society will accept or that is acceptable as an acceptable successful standard in terms like the society that we live in so being a doctor being like a mainstream engineer or lawyer was where one of those career paths that were like this is this is what success looks like yeah so when I went to university I computer science was actually my second option and Mm. Um, then later on, I met a friend of mine who's also from Kalalushi, a neighbor of mine, and he was a programmer. He, yeah, so he was showing me a few, like he was building this website and he showed me how to like build a few things here and there. And mm. I got excited. I got interested and thought to myself, oh, this is actually 
interesting and cool. Yeah. And um, growing up, I used to like watching uh, science fiction. And mm-hmm. I always used to think like that was like, um, it was out of the world, you know? So yeah. after writing a few lines of code and seeing that black screen, I just felt like I was powerful, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, like you know, where like, okay, yeah. so I can actually write these lines of code and run this in the browser and this like you know you like interact you build something for the first time it wasn't yeah. anything fancy it was just a few lines of html code and i'm able to see them in the browser and for me that mm-hmm. was like it was every it was like a blissful moment for me and yeah. um i was inspired by that and mm-hmm. so i decided to get into computer science and yeah. um right from university I got uh just right after like I didn't I'm grateful that I did have like a waiting period between me graduating university and getting a job so before Mm -hmm. I actually graduated I had a job Mm -hmm. and I had to move to Lusaka so yeah yeah, it was uh uh yeah it was like an instant shift so it's like okay I have to move to Lusaka I have to live on my own and um but it was exciting I must Mm -hmm. say Yeah, so that's actually very, very interesting because, I mean, it's always really interesting to know the the foundational levels of like where one started off and um, sometimes even where the interest was spot and all those those kind of like little details because then those are like the ones that actually tend to make the person. I think right now that I have that base and and that understanding, I'm just going to jump straight up to like um, you, the woman who's actually right now doing so much, wearing so many hats. And I I don't want to be in a position where I do injustice into senior data analysts. You actually mentioned that. Yeah. um, Yeah. like you said, uh, like I've worn so many hats and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm taking off some as I go on, yeah. like I've done, this, I've enabled this and let me move to the next. So, um, right now I, am. my focus is, um, in the data science, data analytics space. Mm-hmm. And I'm working as a data analyst, uh, one of Zambia's leading commercial banks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, I, I like in my, outside work I Mm. also um, actively participate in community and enabling communities and Mm. uh, some of my active um, uh, contributions to community has been the women in tech network which is a network that uh, supports women in technology um, Mm. by providing a platform where women can be mentored um, uh, can find inspiration support and um, sponsorship um, I like women generally are minorities in take and creating that platform actually uh, mm. does um, enable more women to come out, um, get inspiration and also um, in turn, um, just know that there's other women out there, you know. Um, mm. So we have that community is one year old and I'm part of the um organizing team mm-hmm. um i'm also um co- i also co-founded the agile user support group mm-hmm. um which is a community that um it's a community that's uh aimed at enabling and scaling agility mm-hmm. in zambia so we started this community during the pandemic and yeah. to be honest um me and my co-founders have only i've only met one of them Mm. Um, and that was like after we had already co-founded this community, but it came mm. up during the pandemic uh, because most we saw that most 
businesses, individuals were not um, thriving during the pandemic, mostly because there was a requirement of change. And mm. that change is usually enabled by being agile. So we said, mm. how can we contribute and how can we um, enable agility um, within our local community? So we, we met online and we started this community. Mm. And uh, I think one of the other most... Uh, uh, like one of the communities I've been long serving in is the Meta DevC. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it's been like five years now. It's a community yeah. that really has just been there to build and enable developers here in Zambia. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we've I've passed on the leadership mantle. Mm-hmm. And it's just good to see that the community is still growing even without me being actively there so yeah that's been mostly my journey but um my main focus also is more on data science um Mm -hmm. like advocacy creating educational content um also promoting responsible data science um and um ensuring that the public the people are aware of uh, both the good and bad so that there's no um like people are aware of both the good and bad especially those who are in um um the minority the, the majority who do not really know what um ai or data science is or what the data is being used for so that even as they are consuming this um ai and data science uh innovation at least there's that awareness of um some of the uh harmful sides of it and also what good it is so that everyone is um aware so it's a journey uh that is still uh um like one percent done but yeah. I think still making strides where mm-hmm. I can yeah wow that sounds like I mentioned it sounds like a very very huge CV with just so much to unpack and I want us to actually unpack firstly the your journey as a data analyst or data scientist in this case I ne- I wanna I wanna get to a position where we 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 talk about where it's it all started off, because my assumption is that you started off as like computer science from what you mentioned, and tell me if I'm wrong to assume that you didn't start off um specializing as a data scientist. Is this correct? correct? Yeah. Yeah. So in that kind of a of a setting, when do you shift from being just a software developer because I guess you are still a software developer to now specializing and like being focused on on data science in this case and also why why data yeah that's actually uh like an interesting question and um uh yeah so like the journey I started out like my career as a software engineer right Mm -hmm. and um to take it back a bit, my during my university days, like mm. as I was studying computer science, I only thought computer science was like a binary field. I either get into networking or I get into programming. Mm. And that's all I knew. Mm. So um, after getting into, uh, like after leaving university, I get into industry, I start off as a software engineer. Mm. Um, I still had a certain passion towards um, how can I, like I wanted to be in the, you know, like if you're, if you're an engineer, like mm-hmm. uh, you do mostly 
you get requirements, you work on them. Whilst mm. I think now it's evolved towards DevOps where the business is working with the developers and there's that's um they're all in sync. And so you're aware of what the customer needs and yeah. you still have that empathy. But mm. I feel like in the beginning when I started my career, we there was a disconnect. So you just get requirements, you work on mm. stuff. And mm. you don't really care about the customer. You, you care about the customer, but mm. your immediate end goal is, I need to get this working because I have received the requirements. Mm. The impact is up to the business or the PMO yeah. on what impact this product has. Mm. But I still had that. I was very close to the business. Like I wanted to, I wanted to do tech, but I also wanted to understand the business value of the work that I was doing. Mm. And I also wanted to understand um from the business side sometimes I'll reverse engineer mm. what are the problems what problems do the business have and how can we use technology to solve those mm. so it wasn't always so I would always try to interface and work with the business and also to some extent I would see certain issues that like I, I cared so much mm. that um but I didn't know how best I could use my skill to yeah. find that bridge between technology and business value yeah so um yeah so there's a time that uh, I think I traveled to for a Facebook conference that was F8 and then I met a data scientist who was telling me about the work that she does and I thought it was very exciting I'm like I feel like this is the work I'm supposed to be doing like I want to solve problems I want to understand the business and also want to use technology to do all those things so yeah. maybe I should explore that path so yeah. Um, yeah, it was out of um, just having that exposure and learning that there's such a thing as data science. So it wasn't very pronounced within my local, um, like within Zambia yet. Mm. Um, and I didn't see any organizations actively hiring data scientists. So it was like, okay, um, I'll get into data science. And then when we, where will I work? You know, yeah. so the, the, I was like, okay, I'll start doing data science on my own, but mm. what next? So yeah. I had a bit of a limited, um, I had limited myself. I did not think beyond where I was. But mm. then um, later during the same year, um, Facebook had these scholarships going on. Yeah. Um, and I applied for one, like the, well, like the training scholarship. So I applied for the data science track with data mm. camp. Yeah. And I started my journey there learning Python and um, I completed my data science career track on data camp and mm. then started actually looking for roles in data science because mm. when it comes to tech, you have to have that experience. Like you yeah. can learn what you can, but as long as you're not practicing or applying yourself, it's very difficult to actually get on top of the game. So um, I joined a startup, which was actually looking for data scientists. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to leave my job right now because I feel like what I want to do is data science. And mm. I can't do where I am right now because they're not, there's no opportunity for me in this space here. Yeah. So I joined the startup. It was a bit of a school of hard knocks because I, you know, it's, it's a startup, so you don't yeah. have, you can't, there's it's no any, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's like, and like uh, an organization with data scientists who are already there, who can mentor mm -hmm. you, who can mm -hmm. uh, guide you. It was, okay, um, you've done these courses and whatnot. Here is the data. And I'm like, okay, um, I was expecting different, yeah. but yeah, I went on, took on the, 
like took on the few knocks that it came with um mm. it wasn't very pleasant i must say um mm. because I, it was coming from i'm i want to learn this and then yeah. you go to an environment where it's use this to do the machine learning do this machine learning model do mm -hmm. so it was more of moving from it was like a hard jump you know yeah and I think at that point I felt a bit stuck and lost and I started contemplating like maybe I should just go back to software engineering maybe this isn't for me you know mm -hmm. but I had to push through and um in the process also experienced a bit of failure and yeah. um I also had I, I feel like that was like my most difficult time of my career mm. um, because I feel like I felt lost. Um, like, okay, I have moved from this uh, role where I felt like I was thriving yeah. and now I felt like this is what I wanted, but it's not what exactly, it's not looking mm. like what I was expecting, you know? Yeah. Um, so I had to do a little bit of introspection. Um, like, what do I want next for my career? Like, if I'm mm. feeling like this, and you know, I constantly felt burnt out, mm. and um, I felt like I was failing, and I didn't give myself the grace to like learn and um, like just absorb and be on top of things. I just told myself, it's okay, you're learning, you fail, but get mm. back up. So yeah, I did get knocked down and I'll stay down and be like oh, I think maybe I can't do this I actually told myself at some point like I can't do this and I mm -hmm. went on a career break um but then I got back up and joined another organization mm -hmm. and I feel like that's where I thrived because there was so much data there was so much opportunity and I felt like I was limitless at that point you know mm -hmm. where I can see the value in the work that I'm doing I can see the like I can see the value in the work that I'm doing. I can see the end of mm. some of the projects that I was working on. And also mm. I was working with an amazing team as well that were supportive. So mm. it was quite a journey to get there. Yeah. But I think it was a lot, um, like just getting to know myself, a lot of persistence, um, resilience as well. And yeah. also just being graceful to myself along the journey and telling mm. myself I can do this so it was a long of I can do this I can do this and yeah. like I said so very those I didn't know any data scientists within my community and so it was I couldn't find mentors you know and mm. so I had to really give myself a pat on the back and pull mm. myself back up and also um, I think social media like Twitter connecting with other data scientists and just learning from them really helped uh, like I said, I was copying myself to who are the local people who I can learn from. But I think the internet um, has really, uh, like social media can be a very powerful place to meet people that can inspire you and mentor you directly or indirectly. So yeah, yeah that was uh, part of my data science journey. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's so much to actually really unpack from, from what you've mentioned because um, I'm getting a part where you you get into something and then you're thrown into like the deep end and you don't really know how to navigate the space. And kudos to you how you actually managed to uh, get yourself out of it and still thrive in the process. Um, Another part is the idea of... um retrospective with with yourself to be in a position where you 
you ask yourself questions and then go back to the drawing board. There's an element of resilience there. There's also an element of visibility because you mentioned social media um, and, 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 and all those things. And I think this is something that um, a lot of people don't really get right in most cases because like, it's like, hey, I have joined a, st a startup company. It's not working out. It's either the startup is bad or I am bad and I'm not good enough or anything. So I, I guess at this point, um, kudos to you for actually like um, uh, sailing and to a point where you actually find your feet um, in the ground, because I think it's, 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 it's really inspirational. And then right now, what it sounds like to me, it sounds as though you are in a space where you are thriving within the data science phase and for someone who actually doesn't know um, data science in your own terms and in your own experience and what you do on a daily basis, what does um, Pendo, the data scientist, do on a daily basis? Yeah, uh, so it's, uh, yeah, that's actually an interesting question because I always have, for each, um, at each point, I have a different answer to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, to generalize the answer is um i solve business problems yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so in different verticals like from the verticals i have worked in my day-to-day -day has been analyzing data so i have like lots, lots of data and just discovering um anomalies in that data mm. um in other in others like in my other role um my main um, like my main, like in, in terms of data science, I'll do mostly testing. So A-B testing, come mm -hmm. up with experiments, um, test on customers, <clears throat> uh, see what what's working. So come up with campaigns and mm -hmm. analyze which campaigns are working, which ones are not, customers are not responding to. So that involved customer segmentation, profiling of customers, understanding mm -hmm. user behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also, um, my other like another part of it is more of um getting to analyze um different products um understanding mm -hmm. profitability using the data as well mm. yeah and also just this, like just having value what do we have in this data what can we do with this data and mm. also giving that direction to the business that this is what we could actually these are the, where the opportunities are this is where the um this is where the risks or issues are uh, with with the data that we have, and um, also another side of it is you know um, on the engineering side. So I wear another hat of engineering. So yeah, uh, creating um, data pipelines. So um, you know I, it comes as a plus. You don't really have to have that skill as a data analyst, but mm -hmm. it comes as a plus where you can fetch your own data build your own data pipelines and um, have your own data lakes where you can actually fetch that data rather than waiting for a data engineer to um, do that for you. So yeah, that's pretty much um, what um, how my what what revolves around my the work that I do. Yeah, yeah, that is so beautiful. Um, and it sounds uh, really uh, great to see or rather it is really great to see a lot of women also playing within that space. Um, how's the diversity like within 
um your 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 space like the data science space um i want to get this from a zambia point of view before we go we move around the world so how does it look like in zambia and also just generally um the ecosystem um within zambia and the diversity within zambia how does that look like um the numbers are still speak to the same as what we see in tech and mm-hmm. i feel like we go down to special specialization especially mm-hmm. in fields like data science which is still growing fields um mm-hmm. the numbers like the diversity ratios are extremely poor mm-hmm. um i'm always like i like i find myself in rooms where people are excited oh yeah i actually have a woman here you know mm-hmm. and most that would be exciting like oh yeah I'm actually it's it doesn't feel right because um you don't want to be the only woman in a room yeah. um you don't want to be the only voice that's it feels like for a moment it's like okay yes i'm the only woman but mm-hmm. there's a level of not treatment that she, yeah sort of treatment like oh let the woman speak because yeah. she's not yeah. a woman we understand that okay uh, the minority i'm the minority and mm-hmm. i have to i just feel like it becomes more of the same problem that we had we have we've had in tech where mm-hmm. um uh women feel like men feel like women are being given special treatment by virtue of them being women and not yeah. them being the majority yeah and also um in terms of diversity i think there's a lot of bias around when it comes to data data science and mm. having that i think the conversation around having more responsible or ethical ai has been around having diversity but if we don't have more women in the field mm. then it becomes a problem that we can't really get we can't really um counter that issue of bias because yeah. who will actually represent the female uh voice or the women if we do not have so many women in data science so mm. here in Zambia i think the numbers are extremely low um and mm. still yet to meet um a data scientist who's a female yeah i so you have not honest, met one I don't met anyone here. Oh my goodness. So you might be a pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I there might be there, but that's like yeah, I said, I yeah. meet um yeah. Yeah. That's a that's you know, an interesting I can one. I think of one person mm. that like I said, like I said, mm. I can only think of one person right now. Yeah. That like I said, that's like but if I think of the men, I can I can start I can mention as many as I can. Yeah. So the numbers are extremely extremely low yeah yeah so i actually am continuously asking this question it will come over and over within like in this podcast right is what you think the problem is because um maybe somehow i'm hoping that we'll be able to crack the code i don't know how <laughs> but yeah. like i want to be in a position where i i i get your own point of view and understanding on what do you think could be the issue when do you think the women are um where do we what what are the issues well one is um we have met well we've met strides in ensuring these uh like we are empowering women um the women who are being that pool of women who are supposed to come in and take in these other roles haven't yet reached 
I don't know if, mm. if that makes sense. And um, we still experience a lot of bias. Yeah. Like it's, I feel like this idea, idea of we're a diverse organization, we're a diverse people is just for, um, for the books, you know? Okay. Um, I still feel like we've still, we still, a lot of people still internalize that, um, it has to be a man in tech. Mm, mm, mm. I have this. I I have this strong sense of people still put a face of a man when it comes to tech. Yeah, badly. You know, mm. like I've had, I've had several occasions where people would not know I'm a lady, and they just mm. see my name, and because my name is non-binary, mm. like it doesn't. Yeah, and someone would automatically assume I'm a man. Yeah, and not once not twice and these are people who are like you know and you know you have to keep correcting on why did you assume my gender you know (laughs) yeah Yeah, but it comes with the what we've had all along it's a man the face of a man software engineer the thing that will come to your mind first it's a man yeah so we have that unconscious bias that exists and it pushes women away like oh Mm-hmm. yeah like there are those who dare to push in and say nope I'm going to but then sometimes if it's just not something that's a free free flow for you you generally gravitate towards something that's easier for you and I don't blame the women you know mm-hmm. you, sometimes you just you want a place where you feel like yeah welcomed um, this is a place where you can actually thrive mm-hmm. and grow and a place where you have to start explaining yourself and uh, telling everyone that you're you can actually you have to convince them twice as much as a man has to convince them because unconsciously you've been judged that okay a woman um yeah. can you really do this work you know yeah but for a man you already have your one box has already has already been checked your man yeah so I feel like there's still that bias that's really still exists mm. and whilst we're still trying to fight um, this whole ideology of creating an inclusive work environment an inclusive world mm. um, there's still barriers that really do exist for women yeah and I think secondly also the education system like whilst we still have men I think even those there are a handful mm. uh, it hasn't yet shifted towards um, like here locally I don't think there are any universities that are offering data science as a mm. program so I feel like we haven't yet embraced um, um, like the other verticals of tech we're still mm. yeah so there's also that um, side of it that has really created those um limitations to entry yeah yeah that's a that's an interesting one uh, and i think this is towards us cracking the code so picture this right a company comes to you and then they're like hey uh, pendo we hear all these issues we hear all these things that women get to go through within the the workspace and we would genuinely like to change and and we want to steal something from your book and understand what would make your life much easier as a woman in technology as a data scientist not just a woman in tech but like as a data scientist who's coming in as a woman in a structure that is maybe built not to accommodate them 
what is it that you you give them as some sort of something to work on? I would speak to three things. Firstly, I think it comes with awareness. Yeah. So um, unconscious bias training, speaking about it, especially mm-hmm. comes from it comes from leadership. I think mm-hmm. it carries more weight from the top to the bottom and say, mm-hmm. can we and can we create awareness within our spheres of influence yeah. if um you know like the times where you find a woman is being oppressed by virtue of having a woman mm-hmm. and no one will speak out like you know because of the way the system is made you mm-hmm. find that you hold back and you keep yeah. bottling that up and then you're like ah, i really hate my job right mm-hmm. um it's a joke but sometimes jokes have a sexist and yeah. you create environments oh a woman no in tech it's very normal it's not normal but mm-hmm. you you'll be in environments where someone who passes sex is joke like oh the woman would do this simple work like so how can we create more awareness um around unconscious bias how can we be build more allies people who speak out for those whose voice cannot come out in certain instances and also empower women mm. can we if we see the need to there are roles or opportunities um, how can we mentor, create mentors within the organization who will mm-hmm. mentor women to take up roles that are, um, take up roles that are not um, operational, but more in the technical side of it. Mm-hmm. And also, um, yeah, so more on awareness. I think it all starts with awareness because sometimes yeah. people unconsciously, they won't know these things, you know. Sometimes they don't blame people because there's no awareness. Mm. But the more we create this awareness, um, it reduces the, it, in the woman's mind, it's like people know that this exists and they care. Mm. And then um, I think secondly, also um, mentorship. Mm. Um, yeah, so, and sponsoring women mentorship uh, we know this has been a problem and it's probably oppressed women where they feel like they really can't reach out for opportunities whereas men feel like it's natural so how can we mentor women that this has changed and they can actually reach out for these opportunities because they exist mm-hmm. and there's this fairness in how opportunities are distributed you know because sometimes as women we feel like you really have to check all the boxes for you to actually get into certain technical roles especially in tech you know mm-hmm. um, but sometimes for a man because you've already checked the box you're a man um, even if you only know like 40% of the work yeah. you still go for it and say the 40 the other 60% is why I'm getting the job because if I knew 100% of this job it wouldn't challenge me you know but yeah. for us women we want to move when you're like okay it's 100% I know this but that that's not a job that would challenge you so I feel like we need to be um to mentor and empower women to mm-hmm. take up such roles and um finally um i think it also starts with um being more intentional in how in terms of leadership mm-hmm. how diverse is the leadership um if you can't see like how diverse like certainly for data science you know yeah. like it's still role and so most organizations do not have um like directorship level of data science especially here so yeah so I think even just training and providing more opportunities for growth Mm. and just being supportive you know like how Mm. can we create more 
value out of the people that we have? How can we ensure that the teams that we have are diverse? And what does diversity mean to us? What's the value of diversity? So understanding what value diversity brings and why it's important. And then later on cultivating that to ensure that even as you're hiring, as you're promoting, you have that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, um, I hope there's an organization that it genuinely wants to bring in diversity in their space and they're listening to this and um, might actually take something out of it as feedback and um, hopefully we get to a point where we are able to 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 retain and sustain um, women within. The community work that you do, which is like mind blowing for me, because I'm just like, this is impressive in many levels, right? And I think community is something that got us connected. I think because yeah. um, in I think if I remember correctly, in 2017, I was I was traveling, so traveled to like six African countries in one trip and it was like really one of those like beautiful experiences that I had and one of the things that I really wanted in that trip was to actually really understand the tech ecosystem outside um, South Africa so more the tech ecosystem within the, the African space and luckily because of friends you you get referred to people and everything and I remember that on that trip I met you and we you you're running like at the time it was still called Facebook um develop developer cycles and I joined in the team and it was just really such a beautiful vibrant experience that I I don't think I'll ever forget in my in my um uh, just generally like Turk Jenny, it, it is one of those highlights of the fact that when I was in Zambia, this is what I did. And that meetup was what got us connected. And that is actually the reason, the reason for that is the fact that you actually do a lot of work um, within the community. Um, I think before we jump into um, all of them, can you just tell me why it's important for you to actually like be in this communities and, and build communities within the tech space? Yeah, um, community. I've always believed in being the change you want to see. Mm. And um, I feel like my passion for community and uh, providing a platform for others to mm. come together, learn mm. and also inspire each other stemmed from um, um, like university. Like mm. I said, um, when I was in university, I only thought of two fields, binary, mm. either I get into programming or I get into networking. Mm. And um, I didn't have that platform where I could actually reach out to someone to learn or know more about what's in tech mm. and so I felt like I needed that's something that I needed and um not having that gave me that once I left university gave me that mm. um actually even when I was in university mm. I was part of the computer society so ah. in my own, <laughs> yeah so in my own way and yeah. in the little uh, like how what I had learned, I would always um, like give back to um, like the new students that were coming in, just also give them that 
hand to uh, help them navigate the journey. Yeah. So after getting out of university, I was privileged to have um, opportunities to like go for these conferences, mm-hmm. um, like for the FA, I'd go for the Chrome Summit, like Google, and um, I would amass like enough information and I'd be exposed mm-hmm. to so much mm-hmm. that I felt like, I wish I knew this while I was in university, you know, mm-hmm. or um, this is actually something that's valuable. And I felt like it's um creating that community where I could actually mm. give back and yeah. um be um like like create a community where everyone can come together and learn from one another and I can also give back from the work that from the knowledge that I'm absorbing from wherever I'm going um felt like something that I needed to do yeah. something that I felt like I would have benefited from like if mm. someone would have come to me while I was in university and told me about um all these other things that I could do, the endless possibilities of technology, I feel like I would have uh, benefited from that earlier. And so me being in that position, I think made me feel like if I get out there, I want to also give back and be that person for someone else and also create where a community where we can all be that person for another person. Mm. And um, I think going forward, it's worked that way. Like, when you get give and yeah. when you learn teach so I'm always a believer of uh, reciprocity mm. um, like you just don't have to you just can't take and take and take you have to give and also the person that you give also inspire them to um, also give someone else so it's through that um, desire to create impact and also mm. see change and also just generally I do have um, hope for the tech ecosystem in Africa and mm-hmm. so um, in my own way I feel like there's a way I can influence and impact its growth yeah yeah that is so beautiful that is very much inspiring um, and kudos to you because I know that it's not easy to actually uh, be doing community work like that and I guess through that mindset you um, went on and got into um Facebook developer cycle I guess at the time it was Facebook Facebook developer cycle when it started off um how does that experience come about when do you start and what what happens basically uh yeah so Facebook developer cycle um after university I met Mbuyu well, with Mbuyu at the same university so Mbuyu worked for Bongo Hive and Mm. um Facebook, Bongo Hive told, reached out to me, Meta reached out to me, Facebook mm-hmm. then and said, uh, reached out to Bongo Hive and said, hey, mm-hmm. we are building these communities in Africa, developer communities, and would like to start one in Zambia. And Mbui was like the person that started the Meta Developer Circle uh, mm-hmm. here in Zambia. Mm-hmm. And because I had worked in the, like, time I was at university, I was part yeah. of the Computer Society, mm-hmm. and I was active in that role. Buyu remembered me, and he was like, hey, Pendo, uh, there's this community, and I feel like you would, um, um, like, I've seen that you've got this history and passion of working with communities. Um, I feel like we can build this community together. So we started with, like, uh, very few members that was like mm. October um, I wasn't there on the launch date that um, for the second meetup that we had there were like five people less than 10 people yeah, yeah. and wow. so it was like okay and at that point I 
the I feel like I was a bit I was facing a bit of imposter syndrome where I'm like um what am I supposed to tell <laughs> what am I supposed to tell these people and you know you're in a room where you feel like everyone is smarter than you because yeah. um, I was just from university and there were these and there were men you know sometimes men can be, <laughs> well at that point I was feeling a bit intimidated I must confess because yeah. I'm like okay these guys have been doing all this for a very long time and then I have to be like a lead what am I supposed to do in this position as a lead you know mm. and um yeah so we started the community and eventually what I learned was um you don't have to be the most technically you don't have to be the smartest person to lead a community you know yeah you just have to create an enabling environment where mm. people can come together and learn and also inspire one another yeah. so my first um experience was I don't think I can do this because I'm not the smartest person in this room like mm. maybe the smartest person should lead the community mm. but I was wrong and so once I just got that out of my mind and said I am here because I'm here to enable to lead and create an enabling environment for everyone mm. and so years later like we're now at four thousand plus online community members and we've seen it's so nice to see people grow in the community people get mm. jobs people be you know think beyond uh certain boundaries that mm. um have been set by our local standard yeah um, like people dream bigger than just Zambia you know like yeah we have world-class individuals yeah. people who are like I it's not about Zambia I need like it's internet like I'm building for the world you know yeah and I think for me that's what's really um gives me the wow we, mm. we have we built this community and you know like we've all built the community together like it wasn't mm. just me or Mbuyu it was everyone coming together and creating that um uh ripple effect of let's um I've gotten from the community let me also give back to someone else and it's become that chain reaction yeah 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 so in, that's interesting like um also uh kudos to you guys for the numbers uh I mean I have seen it uh when I was in Zambia that it yeah. it's really just so beautiful how the people are very enthusiastic and very much into it and ready to learn and ready to take on everything so for everybody who doesn't know who Mbuyu is he is a rock star um part of the people who actually um really leading the the tech space within like in Zambia as well so just a shout out to him as well I'm, I'm wondering when you are actually starting at that point where you actually have like few five people coming in and I mean rather to think base of um actually build building this community um what is what is in your mind in terms of like how success could look like do you have that in mind are you thinking this would if if we are to define success this would be it for me and if yes how does that look like yeah um so even when we had five people I feel yeah. like we made a great team Boy, mm -hmm. Cynthia and myself and mm -hmm. we were passionate you know like mm -hmm. we'd have five people would have and you know like I just loved how we all shared one goal mm -hmm. one vision and mm -hmm. we worked so hard like it wasn't about it was about what what is 
what like let's change our ecosystem let's do something for our community you know mm -hmm. and so for us success looked like we want um people to we want our tech developers the zambian ecosystem the tech ecosystem to evolve beyond thinking locally like how can we have people to think that they can um go for opportunities that are opportunities at google at meta like mm -hmm. how can we make transform that and also how can we also in, in like um create a community where people have can come together and build products that matter you know and not and are not afraid to fail because mm -hmm. i think one of the biggest challenges for most um is i built the startup and it fails yeah and so we saw that amongst uh, the community members where people will start building something it would fail and they'll keep building and also participating in hackathons um, was also one of our ways of getting there mm -hmm. and would always take pride and we'll see people join they, they participate in this hackathon like would have the community challenge hackathon mm -hmm. uh, which was like a global competition that Facebook would roll out yeah. and so would have participants from Zambia mm -hmm. try year after year they don't make it but they still come back mm -hmm. you know yeah. and there's one uh, participant in particular uh, who kept like each year, he was very, very consistent with participating. And I think mm -hmm. he, he could, like the first few years he wasn't succeeding, but after that he would like always get like the first, 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 first position. And mm -hmm. that was like mm -hmm. something that I was like, this is like out of, you know, like um, determination, you know, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, others through that others would also be inspired so it was how can we create a community where we are inspiring ourselves you know like mm -hmm. we're not looking so we don't have to look so far to get inspiration mm -hmm. and also um, like building local startups we've seen people build startups from the knowledge that they've gained from the community and also people now not being afraid to um uh, reach out for opportunities that are outside um, Zambia. I think we had very few devs that would want to apply for it or even at Meta because they're like, okay, mm. maybe not here because I'm not there. So just yeah. building that, creating that um, world of endless possibilities and seeing it actually come to fruition, that was like what success looked like for us. And mm. I must say it's been good to see that um, come alive. But like I said, um, yeah. the journey is still... Um, only one percent done mm. but we're hoping that it will sooner or later um get to in a bigger picture than what we're actually seeing right now yeah yeah that's beautiful and I, uh, honestly um i think you guys are really commendable for the work that you do um it's 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 really important and i mean as if you are not building enough communities you move and then now found something different. I mean, as if you are not building enough communities, you move and then now found something different. Uh, earlier on, you mentioned that you are part of um, the Agile um, user support group it was founded because of something that was happening in Zambia. Um, can you tell us a, a little bit about that experience? Yeah. Um, so we had a crisis, not a crisis per se, mm -hmm. but during the pandemic, we saw a problem and we said, okay, um, people are not, what was one of the biggest challenges was change, you know, adapting, mm -hmm. like we have a new normal. 
and you know like businesses where like okay we how do we shift um individuals as well like you're used to this normal and now suddenly you're told oh you can't actually go out you actually have to use uh virtual you actually have to you have to you have to change your lifestyle for you to actually survive in this new world you know mm -hmm. and that also took a mental toll because it's like it had it had shift you know like suddenly you can't go out so um we thought um like two friends of mine Shimunia and Sui who I met during the Agile festival we said hey mm -hmm. we're both Zambian Shimunia was based in uh, Ghana then Sui was based in South Africa and we connected and said how can we they they're both in Agile their project uh, Scrum and Kanban um, professionals mm -hmm. and we said how can we bring back and educate people more on agility um mm. adapting to change continuous improvement mm. and yeah so creating that platform was as a result of the pandemic mm. and also asking how can we give back since we know this how can we give back and create that platform where others who know as well can mm. come and share their experiences how they navigated the pandemic how they navigated change so it wasn't just about us yeah. our personal experiences it was can we invite other organizations that thrived during mm. the pandemic yeah. individuals that thrived so that we can just create a platform where everyone can learn from each other and also um um just create a platform where people can just share their agile experiences and how they navigated how they navigate change and also how they have um, enabled better ways of working by using different agile um frameworks and methodologies and um yeah it's going well um we hosted nine meetups last year we launched in february and we had amazing thought leaders in the agile space Mm. um with from Zambia and outside Zambia who came mm. and shared their amazing experiences that mm. um I believe mm. people picked one or two things yeah 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 well that sounds that sounds beautiful and um I wish you all the best with that and uh, I hope it actually grows to a point where you reach even huge organizations to actually hopefully they look at you as a blueprint of some sort yeah. and also you i hope you get to monetize at some point because i think that is also um really really important and i mean part of the other things that you do is um you write you you blog a lot you share a lot of content around tech around agile around ai um around data science it's actually like you literally are just constantly sharing and I was reading one of your blog and you actually mentioned something that is not necessarily uh, just about tech but more like on a generic level around ruthless prioritization um when you did your retrospect about like 20 2022 and yeah. I imagine that um for someone who's actually really having to handle a whole lot of stuff like this one how do you go about prioritizing what's important at what point yeah um working like juggling so many balls at once and having can be a pain because mm. um yeah only I'm only human at the end of the day mm. so I also I'm, I'm very cautious about my mental well-being um mm. I don't want to be burnt out in the end because I'm trying to um do so much 
Mm. So for me, prioritization is very, very important. And so there are certain things like um, I'll think of like I'll list um, like all the tasks that I have to do or what I want to accomplish. Mm. And um, I rarely watch. I love TV, but I have to mm. like, OK, I have to give up on this in some time, some time. At some point, I want like my TV will be off like for the whole month because mm. I have like um, so much work to do. Like right now I'm actually doing school. I'm doing my master's program. And so I have to like, (laughs) I have to like come back home and start studying and, you know, um, and um, so I'm at at a certain point, I always have to really uh, think of what value is this? um, What, how, what, how important is this and how much value is it adding to myself and the work that's important to me? Mm. so um and in some seasons I would also just like cut off like my social life like I mm. like going out and I'm like okay I can't um whilst it's fun but I I'm rarely I rarely go out so mm. it has to be like on my timetable like okay maybe in March on this day I'll go <laughs> out and have some fun and whatnot but um I think to me it's become more important like time has become very scarce and um because in the same time I have to do community I have to do my school I have to take care of myself I have to work I have family and friendships and relationships that I have to maintain so Mm -hmm. now juggling all these balls if I don't prioritize and um uh like if I don't prioritize at any moment I can drop the ball on something that's really valuable and it might hit me and feel like oh I actually lost out on my time with my family because I chose to do something that really wasn't valuable so that also includes saying no to some things like Mm. nope I can't do this and not being feeling bad about it like before that I had problems with setting like boundaries and I'll say okay yeah I can do it but I think these days I'm very intentional about my no and only say yes to things that really can fit in my um and like what's in my end goal like if it's not part of what's in my critical path at that moment Mm. I would just generously say no Mm. or drop it off (laughs) trust me I really get what you mean uh and I think mastering saying no with no guilt is is such an, a beautiful thing to do it, it's actually such a beautiful space to find yourself in if you reach a space where you are able to say hey this can pass me i yeah. i don't have the capacity or um i am not in a space where i can jump on that thank you for considering me that is really really important i think and yeah so Wow, this has been like really such a beautiful and such an inspirational um, conversation that we've had. And if there's someone or like a young boy or a young girl from Kalilushi who's listening right now and they want to, to actually get get just one, like still one page from Panda's book and one get some understanding on on how to navigate life and what advice would you give in terms of like just navigating your career and and moving up the ladder um dare to dream Mm. and you are limitless Mm. yeah so just dare to dream and 
know that you are limitless. Wow. Well, there you have it. If you are listening to this and you are feeling a little stuck or you are feeling like some spaces are not for you, Pando says that you should dare to dream and remember that you are limitless. Pando, thank you so much. Um, I think this conversation has been really, really beautiful. Um, and But before we actually get to the very end, I would like to uh, just ask you if there's any social media stuff that you'd like to share where people can follow you. Yeah, uh, so I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter and uh, Twitter I am Upendo Manjale and LinkedIn Pendo Manjale. So no fancy handles, just okay. my names. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. alrighty. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I I, I really really appreciate this conversation and I think um I am not the only one who is inspired I'm even inspired more when we started this conversation I knew that you inspire me but right now I'm even inspired even more because it's just been really beautiful so before we we, we reach the very end I have asked you to write a letter to um your younger 10 year old self and this is the time for you to read it in your own voice yeah you know when I was writing this letter I was like oh wow I wish I actually read this letter when I was 10 years old yeah, yeah so uh yeah I'll read it to myself I used to write a lot of letters to others um to let them know that I love them like a cup of tea but yeah. um in this letter I will go ahead and read it dear Pendle I know this letter finds you young, full of dreams, hopes, and aspirations beyond yonder. You probably have started learning about the world we live in, or wait, the community you actually live in. You have probably been already told you can't do certain things by virtue of being a girl. The world has probably already started creeping its ideologies of what a girl should be and what a girl shouldn't be. You have probably been taught to be modest, to be less aggressive, less competitive, and respect the boys in your class because they are boys and not because respect is a value. You have probably been scorned at for not helping with house chores unlike your brothers. Well, because a girl needs to learn how to cook, clean, and perform other house chores as the, as the standard society has set. While these are basic life skills, Society has placed them as a standard for women's success and value. But girl, dare to dream bigger than the standard society has set. You can be anything and everything you want to be. Don't be limited by what you can see. Create your own path. The world is actually full of endless possibilities. Girl, you are limitless. Like God told Abraham in Genesis 13, verse 14, look as far as you look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, and west. I'm giving you all this land as far as you can see, to you and your descendants as a as a permanent possession. And I'll give you so many descendants like the dust of the earth. They cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. 
Run with this world as your own pendle. Dare to be different. It's okay. You don't have to fit in. It's okay to be the out outlier. After all, the normal is too crowded and you had crowds, remember? So you probably had it where it's normal. Girl, look at yourself in the mirror. Remember that you are enough, you are beautiful, you are bored, and you can be everything and anything you want to be. You are smart, you have what it takes, and all you can ever dream of becoming. Pendle, you're a star. Shine your light and don't let anyone ever dim it. Remember a star shines so bright in the darkness. Four trillion kilometers away, we still see its beauty and shine. That's who you are and so much more. Be curious and always challenge the why. And while at it, don't be in a rush to grow up. Enjoy the moment on the skin you are in. You are beautiful just the way you are. You don't have to be a shade lighter or darker. You don't have to iron. You don't have to iron stretched hair. You don't have to have iron stretched hair or an inch smaller to be beautiful. You are beautiful just the way you are. True beauty is skin deep. It lies in the confidence and light you radiate. Be kind, be compassionate, be empathetic. Honor who you are and where you're from, but don't let that define you or limit how far you can dream. Dare to dream big. Dear Pendle, go ye out there and flourish in all ways because your dreams are valid. Yours, Pendle. Oh, Oh, this is so beautiful. <laughs> oh, wow. Hugs to Pendo. Oh. Yeah, that's the letter to me. <laughs> oh, hugs to the little Pendo man. That is so beautiful. Oh, man, this is where we ended. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you for joining me in this episode of She Talks Tech. If you enjoyed our discussion and found it inspiring, I encourage you to follow and share the podcast. By doing so, you will never miss an episode and can help spread the empowering stories of women in technology and STEM. Let's work together to break barriers, shatter stereotypes, and build more inclusive and diverse future. Join the conversation, follow and share the She Talks Tech podcast. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to having you with me in the future.